0: You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. We're going to read our last bit from Genesis. This is the last one in Gospel Foundations. I'm going to pray. Uh, You can turn to the Bible while I'm praying if you've got one with you. Genesis 11. Father, we thank you for things that are happening in the church. We thank you for being a part of it. Lord, even in the midst of difficulties, we thank you for stories of hope. We thank you for people saying, I'm going to come and pray and seek God. Lord, we thank you for all those that have served us through meetups. We pray now as we come to the Bible, your word. We ask that you'd speak to us and we ask that we'd have the courage to hear from God and then live radically because of it. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been doing this series, Gospel Foundations. Uh, This is our 12th week. And uh, if if it's your first week, welcome. You can catch up with them all on YouTube. We basically said at the beginning of the week, if I had to split the Bible in half, I wouldn't do it the Old and New Testament. I would flick right back to Genesis, the first book. Genesis 1 to 11. It seems bizarre, doesn't it? But Genesis 1 to 11, that's almost the hinge of the Bible. Genesis means origins. And what we've discovered is, who is God? We're answering that question. Who is God? Who are we? What's gone wrong? And what is God doing about it? And I guess that's really this whole series that we've been looking at. J.I. Packer, the Canadian Said of the passage that I'm about to read to you, it is a mirror of the modern world. Ah, yeah, you see, I've whetted your appetite. Now we're going to read Genesis 11, 1 to 9, the Tower of Babel. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come. Let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language they have begun to do this then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them come let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other so the lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city that is why it was called babel Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Often when I try and understand God's word and bring it to us, I think I've got these three clear points. Well, today you're being shortchanged. There's only two. It's scene one and scene two, basically. I think you can understand what we do and you understand something of what God does. Scene one, if you want to do it like that, is, starts with now the whole world. I love it. The Bible is really interested in people. Genesis 10 is a whole list of names. And in fact, Genesis 11, after the bit, I've read, it's another list of names. You see, it's about people that God does something And that was true earlier on. In Genesis 5, we heard about Adam to Noah. Genesis 6, we then hear about the ark and the flood. It's in the midst of people that God does something. I don't always understand that. It's like Matthew. If you read the first book of the New Testament, there's this huge genealogy. And basically it goes from Abraham to Jesus. And then comes the saviour of the world. God is interested in people. I don't know how you found it. I don't know how you found it, sat at home one year on. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how you, whether your world's just got smaller and you think, do people even know who I am and what I do? God knows people. God's committed to people. Yet, sadly, what we discover from Genesis, and I wonder if it's true today, is the people weren't experiencing utopia. They were, fo- they were actually experiencing dystopia. Rather than things getting better and better, rather Genesis doesn't say, well, actually, suddenly mankind was made and things got better and better and better and they ate better fruit and they did better exercise and they got better education and suddenly they were perfect. Actually, what we've discovered in this story is things are going wrong. I wish we had time to go into all the detail, but one little word you may have picked up. East. East. No, no, you haven't picked that up. Well, in Genesis, whenever you go east, things start going wrong. All I can say is stay in West London. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's as close to heaven as we... No, I'm, being, I'm making a serious point here, but I'm actually being... If you jump back to Genesis 3, we know that when they get kicked out of the garden, they get kicked out of the east. And they, actually, there's this thing, and they go east. We know in Genesis 4 that when Cain left God's presence, he goes east. We know in Genesis 10, the first verse before the bit I read today, that actually they keep heading east. People just want to keep walking away from God. Fundamentally, that is what the story is telling us. Fundamentally, it's almost saying, well, actually, no, no, if God is there. I'm walking away. I'm doing my own thing. I guess that's the sobering thing. And then what we discover with these people in the story today is that they settled. One commentator says this, Rather than spread horizontally, they act independently and plan to rise vertically. It's rather than fill the earth They decide to do these two actions. They build a city and they build a tower. Can I just state right here, right now, God is not anti the city. I heard somebody once say God made the country, man made the suburbs, and the devil made the city. That is totally not true. Over 56% of the world's population live in cities, and it's getting bigger and bigger. I tell you, I want to challenge you as Christians. We've got to be those that fight to stay in the city. So if it's not the city that's wrong, is it the tower that's wrong? Now, I've got to be very careful because obviously we are based here in Ealing. And in Ealing, in five years, the council have given permission for 124 new tower blocks of over 20 stories high. Mm, There you go. I've done my research for this morning. They reckon it will bring 105,000 extra residents into the borough. North Acton will become the densest suburb in the country by 2030. Is God anti the tower? Well, I'm not going to get involved in that and the queen of the suburbs. I'll leave you to think about those kind of things. So if it's not really about the city and it's not really about the tower... What is this story about? I would like to suggest it's the sins of the heart. You see, two things come out. They want to make a name for themselves, and they don't want to scatter. I don't think it's about the tower. I don't think it's about the city. They want to make a name for themselves. They don't want to scatter. The heart says this, I love praise and I love security. The heart says, I delight in my own efforts. In fact, if anything, we've discovered in the book of Genesis that we try and reach out and grasp for something that is not ours. Daniel Burham, he was the designer of Chicago, said this, make no small plans. They have no power to stir men's blood. It's almost like our heart is, we want to be great and we want to be grand. There's some talk, and again, I wish I had more time, that actually what had happened in this is they weren't using stone. Partly they were on the plane, but partly it was the development of technology. And so with this technology, it's almost like that they they become full of themselves. They reckon there's lots of ziggurats there. Rather than a pyramid, it was this building that had nothing inside, but actually it went high and high and high. In fact, some of them, they reckon on the top of them, there was even a room... With a table and a bed. And the idea was that's where the the deity might possibly dwell. It's funny, isn't it? Because I guess as human beings, we find a sense of immortality in erecting monumental buildings. And I guess that's what we're seeing here in Genesis. I guess the danger of technology is that what we can do, we will do. We don't stop and ask. In technology, what should we do? I, again, I, we could get sidetracked. I must keep going. The people in the story want to generate their own safety. They're searching spiritually. They want to make their own way to God. I am the master of my fate, the captain of my soul. I guess that would still be true of many today. I guess many of us would go back into this thing and think, well, actually, it's about me. David Atkinson, though, in his commentary, he says this, heaven is not to be grasped at by human achievement. Heaven is found by a gift of grace. Look, Whether you're watching on YouTube, I don't know how you do it, to be honest. It's better in the room, personally speaking. Or whether you're in the room, it's not about us grabbing heaven by our own achievement. That was the sin did here. Do we trust in our own achievements or do we trust in God's perspective? You see, the thing that we know God has said many times in Genesis, you can read about it in Genesis 1.28, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth. We know that after Noah, the sort of recreation after the flood, God gives the same command. Genesis 9, verse 7 As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply and fill the earth. So, what have they done? No, no, we don't want to go anywhere. Let's fold our arms. Let's stay here. That's what the people have done. God said, Look, my command is go and tell everyone. They said, No, I think we'll stay here and do nothing. Sometimes I wonder if that's true for us. Has God given us this great news that we're to share with so many others? We think, oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I feel safe to go out. I'm not sure I want to keep turning about Jesus. I'm not sure people are going to welcome me. They might think I'm a bit strange or a bit odd. They've disobeyed God. That's in their heart. And then this becomes a picture. And this, this is why I think it's the hinge of the whole book. If you were to read through the book of, of the Bible, you'd discover that actually there's two cities. Babel It's basically translated the other 261 times in the Bible. The word is used as Babylon. And that's almost like the city that stands for commerce, human achievement, the pursuit of pleasure. And you get this right throughout the Bible. Babylon, Babylon, Babylon. Daniel talks about it. Isaiah talks about it. Revelation talks about it. And I guess there's this contrast that then comes out. Are you going to be in the city of Babylon or are you going to be in the city of God known as Jerusalem? That's scene one. Scene two, but the Lord comes down. In some respects, it's almost a little bit like sarcasm, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? These people, they've built this. They've got this technology and they've built this as high as they can go. It's going to reach to the heavens. It's almost like, Hmm, Can't quite see what you're up to. (laughs) You know, the Bible is God comes down to try and have a look at what they've done. He doesn't actually mock them. He doesn't knock over the tower. Gordon Wenham says in his commentary, though man's highest achievements were pathetic in God's eyes, the motives that prompted his efforts were horrific. And so God didn't say, oh, well, that's pathetic. I haven't got to worry about that. God saw the heart and thought, what is going on here is horrific. So God decides to scatter them. Phil Moore in his commentary, straight to the heart, says, the name makers of Babel hope that technology and unity would make their destiny begin with themselves. But all they did was make the start of our disunited nations. You see, the ziggurat cannot compare with God. Which again is a theme that comes right throughout the Bible. In Isaiah, it says, You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights. But we can't do that. We cannot compare to God. God knows that we're literally but dust. God knows our best is never going to be good enough. I guess the challenge then of this story becomes, what, no rainbow? No hope? If you were here for Noah, you suddenly thought, oh, there's this sudden sense of hope. Well, actually, if you flipped over which I know is in the second half of the Bible, to Genesis 12. We read this, Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those you bless and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through Hope comes again because God says, I will make you great. I will establish your name. I will bless the earth through you. And so though we could look at this and think, oh, the best that we could do is just not good enough. God comes down and says, actually, I'm still going to take a hold of you and use you. I I don't know what your dream is as we sort of come out of lockdown. I have no idea. Someone said, maybe we should have an offering on a Sunday morning where we all come to the front and burn our masks. (laughs) Who knows how long we're going to need them? We've no idea. I don't know what the future holds, but we could say we do know the God who holds the future. And there's this hope, isn't there, that comes out of this story. The hope is not on my achievements and what I could do. The hope is what God says and what God wants to do. Through us. Some of us will say, Oh, I now get the gospel foundations that have happened here. It's almost like because of what we'd done, there was separation. The languages came. You know what I'm saying? Golly, don't speak to me about languages. You know what I'm saying? I can speak any language in the world, obviously. Coca-Cola, there you go. I've spoken to everyone on this planet. (laughs) Reality is, you know, it's so divisive, so difficult. When does the Bible ever talk about people coming together? It's Pentecost, isn't it? When God comes in grace, when God pours out his Holy Spirit, when the disciples are there gathered and terrified because Jesus has died and he's gone, the Holy Spirit comes and suddenly everybody hears God speaking in their own tongue. God brings hope. That's what we read. We read in Revelation 5, they sang a new song. This is about heaven. You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchase for God's persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Our ultimate hope is not in what we could do together. It's what God could do here. I've said this many times. I will say it many more. There are 172 nationalities in the borough of Ealing. And I don't want to settle as a church until we've got 172 nationalities in the church. Because surely that's what God wants. That's a foretaste of heaven on earth. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. Who are you trying to make a name for? When we look at a story like this, am I trying to make a name for myself or am I trying to make a name for him? 1 Peter, in the letter in the New Testament, it says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. We know another theme that comes through the Bible is God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. What are you building your name for? Let me ask you another question. Whose kingdom are you labouring to build? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom in Matthew 6 verse 33 and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. You see, I can read a story like this and think, oh, golly, isn't that crazy? And then I apply it to myself and think, oh, yeah. Am I about my name or about his? Am I about building my kingdom or about his? Whose purpose are you giving your life to? We know in Acts 13 that David, he served the purposes of God in his generation. And that's what we're called to. And so when we read this first half, I've said it before and I probably need to say it again, I'm sorry that we didn't take longer When we've read these first 11 chapters, I'm not going to write them off. This is the gospel foundations for the way we're going to live. It's the way we're going to think. Who is God? We've discovered. Who are we? We've discovered. What's gone wrong? We've discovered. What is God doing about it? We are discovering. So let me ask you the question. Are you trying to... Reach out to God in your own strength. Have you settled in God or are you still going? We know, don't we, that Jesus came down from heaven. He was despised and rejected. We tried to kill him as a child. He lived a perfect life. He loved and cared for the last, the least, and the lost. Ultimately, He gave His life. We're going to be celebrating that on Good Friday. He died on a cross and rose again. We are going to celebrate that on Easter Sunday. That we might have life, not to keep to ourselves, but to bless others. I want to remind us, church, we are called to be a blessing. What's BLESS stand for? Be prayerful. Listen to other people. Eat. That's been a tough one over this last time, hasn't it? We've done so much of that on our own, but we are looking forward to it. Serve and share. Don't try and get to God by yourself, but don't keep the good news of God to yourself either. Let's pray. Fathers, we've looked at these gospel foundations and we've spent these 12 weeks wrestling through these passages. I'm sorry for the times when I think I know I've just tried to build something for my name rather than think about your glory. You said, hey, I want you to go. And I said, I think I'd rather settle here. Lord, we want to say sorry for that. We want to say sorry when you've called us to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. Plant churches around the world where we've settled in our thinking. We've settled with our money. We've settled with our time. Even with this lockdown, forgive us when we've settled just to check we're okay. Our own household is okay. We do believe you've called us to be a blessing to this borough, to serve the weak, the poor, the vulnerable here. Help us as we come out of this series, not just to think, oh, that was an interesting one or a challenging one. Give us the courage to live this radical life for you, an uncomfortable life for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.